And uh, Bruce Boudreaux goes for a record eight wins in a row as head coach to start his time as head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. In his way are the tinfoil champions, the Los Angeles Kings. John Hovind, promise me they're not wearing those buckets tonight. Can you do that for me? They are not, but I would also question you calling them the tinfoil champions. I think their uh, record is two and three inside of their new alternate jersey. So, uh, no, those, those jerseys are uh, put put back away for a couple more weeks here. If you won two games wearing those helmets, you are champions. They should be 0-5. I mean, I don't know how you do it. Listen, before we get to the Kings, the reason I wanted to get you on, uh, you were pumped. You loved the World Junior Championships. You were all set boarding a flight for Alberta, and things went haywire, which is what air travel is these days. Uh, I thank the Lord I am not traveling at all right now uh, because the nightmares are abundant. I, I think every day now you can go online and see a fight from inside a plane, which which you love. You you you, you want there to be a scrap while boarding. Um, but uh, you you had a mess for a couple of days. Yeah, boom! It's uh, it's terrible. You're right. I mean, anybody who who follows MayorsManor.com or the podcast or uh, even hears me, you know, on on the radio talking with you, I, I love the World Junior Championships. I think it's the best tournament in hockey, bar none. Uh, it's something to look forward to every holiday season, and really, Christmas begins the day after Christmas for me with the tournament. And uh, it was just an absolute dumpster fire trying to trying to travel internationally with all the rules, and you have to get tested within 24 hours and. Uh, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, I guess depends upon how you look at it. Uh, in the end, it was a fortunate thing, but early on, it was it was it was very depressing. Uh, my flight on the 26th ended up being originally delayed, and then later it ended up being canceled, and then it was rebooked the next day, and then I would have had to take another test to get on that flight. Uh, and, and as you started, you know, as I had all this time to think about it, it, was like, well, wait a minute, if I get to Canada and then I have to test again, and with how contagious this thing is, if even though I'm vaccinated and tested negative on the way there, if I tested positive in trying to come back and then I would have had to quarantine there for 10 days it just ended up being something that at the very last minute I pulled the plug on and uh, it, it was it was one of the more difficult decisions I've really had to make in life just because of how important the tournament is to me and, and the opportunity to go and see the prospects in person it's one thing to scout and to, and to sort of follow uh, a player and, and try to understand their development you know while, while watching video or on TV or whatever but there's nothing like the in-person experience and so to be able to see some of those prospects that we track on mayorsmanner.com really was important. Uh, and so the first couple of days were a real bummer, uh, trying to watch the tournament on TV and, and, and cover it that way like we did last year. I mean, this was two years in the making, boom. I was supposed to be up there last year for the tournament, didn't get to go because of the bubble, then this year, and then now next year it's going to be in Russia. So uh, I'll probably skip that tournament, and um, I, I guess I need to make sure that my passport is good to get me into Sweden in two years. Didn't you travel? Did you go to China once for an Olympics? Didn't you tell me that? Maybe 08? Was it 08? Yeah. Yeah, I've been to China a couple times. I uh, saw the Dodgers play there in a series uh, in advance of the Olympics in 2008 and then was there for the Summer Olympics in 08, both in Beijing uh, and, and uh, in, in Shanghai. And I had a lot of fun. Enjoyed Shanghai uh, tremendously, even though the majority of the games were actually played in, uh, in Beijing. But, uh, yeah, I've been there a couple times. Do you have thoughts on how difficult it's going to be to hold the Winter Games in a couple of weeks? 
I, I don't even understand how they're proceeding. I really don't. Um, you know, look, here's the thing. If you're an individual athlete, if you're, you know, whether you're a gymnast or a swimmer or, you know, archery, well, those, those would be summer games. But if you're an, indivi- <laughs> if you're an individual athlete, boom, uh, it, it makes sense, right? You've trained for four years, maybe longer, you know, really in the anticipation of this. And, you know, if you get stuck there and you have to quarantine for five weeks, uh, you know, it, it, it's – it's a bummer and it totally sucks, but you know, it's kind of worth it for you as an individual athlete. But if you're a team athlete, I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. It makes a lot of sense to me why the NHL and the PA decided to pull out. It's just, you can't do that. You can't shut the league down. These guys are paid millions of dollars to play in the national hockey league and fight for a Stanley cup. But I I think if I was an athlete in any sport, I really would question the entire experience. Um, It's, it's going to be, I mean, just look at what happened at the world juniors, the potential for it to be another dumpster fire is there uh, it, it not only is it scary on one level, but it also is frustrating. It's many different things. And then you just go back to the Summer Olympics and the gymnast who pulled out with mental health issues and just the stress of it all. I mean, I would imagine there's going to be some people that are going to be having similar feelings and anxiety. It's just, uh, it's crazy. And I, I don't understand. So somebody, you know, far smarter than me, I guess, is making the decision because I don't understand why they don't just push it back a year. I think the answer is one word, isn't it? Money. It doesn't money fuel money. every it always is, yeah. d- decision. <laughs> yeah, I money. mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of cash there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. Before we move on from this, though, one of the disappointments for you, I'm sure, is some Kings got off to great starts of the tournament, including your boy Sammy Hellenius. Yeah, Hellenius looked outstanding. I mean, here's a guy who was projected to be a third line center. He plays a full 200 foot game, though. Boom! And while the goals, he put up two goals in the first game, and why that's that's what really grabbed the headlines for a lot of people. His defensive play was even better. And, you know, his, his whole story, just being a six foot six guy and being the son of a former NHL player who wasn't a star by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it, it's really exciting. You also have Helga Granz who was playing for uh, team Sweden. He was just seemed to be picking up an apple every time they were on the power play. He was on their top pairing defensively and getting power play time. And what also a great story as well. Here's a kid who played defense, excuse me, played at forward until he was 15, then switched over to defense. He's over here now in North America. This is his first, you know, real year playing uh, in North America over here. And he's been getting a lot of tutelage from Matt Green and Sean O'Donnell. They've rounded out his game. But the smaller rink really seems to play well. You talk to a lot of scouts and they talk about his range uh, and, and what he's able to do. And he might be a gem. You know, the Kings drafted him 35th overall in the second round. And all the talk is about Quentin Byfield and maybe Brock Faber coming out of that draft. But don't sleep on Grands. He'll be back with the Ontario Reign soon, and uh, we'll get an opportunity to continue to see him up close and, and, and personal here in uh, North America this season. So we got a big game tonight. Uh, never thought Vancouver was going to be involved in big games this season, but Bruce is working the magic again. He comes back to Southern California. The Canucks are now within a point of the Kings. The Sharks won in an amazing game against Arizona the other night. Edmonton stumbling a little bit. Calgary's been shut down. The The Pacific's gotten way tighter. It, it looked clear-cut four and four a few weeks ago. The margins are shrinking dramatically. So this is a very big game tonight. Well, it is a big game really for Vancouver because their their recent winning streak under Bruce that you mentioned there has allowed them to crawl back into things when everybody thought they were left for dead. So that, that makes it interesting. But, uh, you know, look, it, it's Vegas and Edmonton at the top of the division. Calgary's also made a big push. You have to wonder if they'll be able to sustain that throughout the balance of the season. 
you also have to wonder what they're going to do with some of their players as you approach the trade deadline. You know, do you ride that out with an unrestricted free agent or some guys that you thought at the beginning of the year were going to be leaving? And Anaheim, you know, they're, they're a surprise story in the Pacific Division, and they have a couple of guys, including Manson, that they're going to have to make decisions on. And what do they do at the trade deadline? And if you move guys out, how does that change the complexity of the team? Uh, for any team, for that matter. And, you know, L.A., uh, we talked last week, boom, it's just inconsistency. So this is a big game for L.A. as much as it is for Vancouver as well because coming out of the break, you know, L.A. just did not look good from the drop of the puck uh, in, in game one. And so they need a big rebound here. Um, you know, you, you would have liked to have seen a tighter defensive structure and, and, and more opportunities offensively, even though they were playing Vegas, the Kings, that is, in their, in their first game back. Now you're getting uh, Vancouver on the second night of a back-to-back. They, Vancouver played in Anaheim last night, went to overtime, so they played plenty of hockey. Uh, it's very interesting to see what the Kings are going to do from a lineup perspective as well because you had uh, Deneau out of the lineup. He's now available potentially for tonight, and if that's the case, he'll slide into the second seed, which will push young Alex Turcott, who made his NHL debut, uh, down to the third line center potentially. So the lineup is really uh, the biggest question surrounding the Kings tonight. And then, of course, can they pick up any points against Vancouver and sort of keep them at bay uh, because they are chomping at their at their heels? What did you see from Turcotte? Not much. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to overanalyze it. It was a blowout loss. The Kings as a team didn't look good. Uh, probably the thing that sticks out in my mind the most would be, uh, you know, uh, a video that nobody wants to watch. And that's where <laughs> that's where there was a collision out in the slot and Turcotte lost his stick. And then I think it was, uh, I don't remember specifically, it was I follow or Bjorn Foot. Somebody tried to flip the stick uh, back to him and then he lost it again. And Gowdy was down on the play and, and Vegas scored and it, re- it really was no fault of his own, so it's not one of those things that you want to pin on young Alex Turcotte. I think he won the opening face-off, and uh, he, you know, he he played decent. But look, he, he looked more comfortable as the game wore on. That's what Coach Todd McClellan had said, and I think that's that would really be anybody's assessment. It's kind of a cliche assessment as well. Uh, for a first-time NHL player in his first game, right? The nerves are there in the opening 20 minutes, and you hope they settle in. So I think tonight, if you put him into the 3C, you would expect to see a little bit more consistent play from him. Um, He wouldn't have the big responsibilities that that come with playing the 2C, and having Kopitar and Deneau in front of him should help out. The biggest question for Turcotte for me is, can you quickly put him with Arthur Kaliev? Because I didn't like the wingers that that Todd put with him for, for the first game. He was playing with Trevor Moore and, and Victor Arvidsson, who, you know, really he only had a couple of practices with. So he knows Arthur Kaliev. He's had a lot of success with Arthur Kaliev, not only for Team USA at the World Juniors, but also he's had a chance to play with them in Ontario as well. So, you know, if you're going to put Turk on, uh, on the third line, I say bump Kaliev up off the fourth line and put the two of them together and at least give Turk a little bit of a safety valve or uh, a security blanket there in uh, number 34. Last one for you, Johnny. It, uh, this season has been a uh, redemptive story for Jonathan Quick. He's put up big numbers, uh, but he's been lit up two starts in a row. How does Todd McClellan handle goaltending in the short term? Well, I think that's a, another big question because you have Cal Peterson coming out of protocol as well. And while Garrett Sparks is, a, is an interesting story, uh, he's, you know, he's not the answer. So it's going to be how quickly can you get Cal Peterson into any sort of a rhythm when he hasn't really played a lot of hockey over the last 30 days. And I think quietly I would be a little bit concerned with what we've seen from Jonathan Quick in the last two games. You could make the argument, if you want to be optimistic, that, hey, look, the game in Carolina where I think he gave up five goals, it was kind of coming at the end of a road trip and a heavier workload than he had been experiencing prior to that. Okay, perhaps. And then if you look at the game against Vegas, you say, look, they're coming out of a long break, you know, whatever, 10 days. 
and uh, the timing's not there and defensively isn't there. I think Mike McKenna had a great tweet about it the other day about the details that evaporate from a team when you're, when you're off for an extended time period. Um, so, so perhaps, uh, you know, you look at those two and you just kind of brush them under the rug. But, you know, who's going to start tonight? Uh, Jonathan Quick will be back in net. And, you know, if he comes out and puts on a performance like he's put on most of the nights this season, then you have to think exactly what I just said. Those two games were maybe the exception and not the rule, but – when you look at the larger body of work and you look at the season to date, Jonathan Quick has been more than an impressive. Uh, the save percentage is there. Uh, you know, the goals against numbers are there. But really, he's just been, he's been looking really strong in net most games, and uh, he looks more comfortable. So the adjustments that the coaching staff, really Bill Ranford and, and team, uh, were trying to make in Quick's game, you know, he'd relied historically on his athleticism, and they tried to make some small tweaks and we saw at times last year where they were going in the right direction, and then other nights he sort of reverted back to being uh, the goaltender that he had been the, the, the past or the prior couple of seasons. But this year, by and large, if you judge the body of work as, a, as an entire body of work, uh, it's been outstanding. It's been a great redemption story, as you said.